hear also this reading from the Gospel of Matthew, immediately following Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan by his relative John the Baptist. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 nights and 40 days, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you were the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, and he quoted from Psalm 91, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all these I will give to you if you will just fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written in Deuteronomy, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Then the devil left him. And suddenly, angels came and waited on him. For the good news of Jesus Christ, thanks be to God. God, we join Elijah and we join Jesus in the wilderness all the dangers and uncertainties that they hold. As we join them there, we ask that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. And let the people say, Amen. I'm going to try to keep this a little bit shorter than usual. As you notice, we're trying a slightly different format in Lent, which is designed to let us enter into a slightly more contemplative space in our festival worship. It's a little bit of a step away from our usual exuberance, just a tiny step. We don't want to upset you too much. But it involves watching the light of Christ come in and illumine our space. And also, I'm going to invite you at the end of worship to watch that light go all the way out as we try to carry it into the world. And then I'm going to invite you just to remain for a little bit as the choir sings the benediction response. And then we're going to say a few words about what's happening in the week, and then Susan will play the postlude and we'll go. So that's just a little instruction about worship today. Here we have two wilderness stories, one from the Hebrew scriptures about Elijah and one from our Gospels about Jesus. The second one is very familiar to us as we start the season of Lent. If you've ever spent any time in Israel, Palestine, the Holy Land, in the desert, it's a pretty rough, barren place, all in browns and beiges. 
beiges. I was there three summers ago in which the temperature was 106 during the day and 98 in the dead of night. I tried walking around the top of Masada, Herod's old citadel, and before I could get 10 steps, I was drenched in sweat. And that's not to mention the scorpions and the jackals and the snakes and all the other creepy crawlies that may be out there in the hills waiting for you if you venture out. I was fortunate to have an air-conditioned room, a full buffet at my kibbutz, and a shaded outdoor pool, which made the wilderness not so wild. These passages are about the wilderness as we happen to go into in our own lives and something I want you to think about, and then I'm going to share with you some practical ways you can do that together here in our community. What's interesting about both these stories is they happen right after both men have had triumphant experiences. Elijah has been fighting against King Ahab and Queen Jezebel over who has loyalty to God and these usurping prophets of Baal. Some of you know the magnificent story that precedes this in which he goes up onto Carmel and he has a contest. It's a little prophet contest with the prophets of Baal and Elijah comes out the winner and then he slaughters all 450 prophets of Baal. It's a disturbing story to us, but in the Hebrew scriptures, it's a story of triumph of God, of the Israelites conquering over a false god. Jesus has just come from being baptized in the River Jordan. In fact, the water is probably still fresh on his ears. The voice of God has come down and said, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately, the Spirit of God takes him into the wilderness and gives him all these tests with the devil. He's tired, he's hungry, and it's a severe test. And as you hear him, it's a little proof texting war between him and the devil about who can quote scripture better than one another. Each of them has a 40-day exile, a 40-day period where they sort things out. And that's where we get our tradition of Lent going back several centuries where we observe 40 days. We started it on Wednesday with services in our chapel. Now, in Jesus' case, I don't know that I would be up to the tests he was given, given how hungry and tired he was. I think I would probably be more like Elijah, fleeing for his life because Queen Jezebel has a death threat on him. I think I would get as far away as I could. In his case, he went about 17 miles that day and hid in a cave, and he said, You know what, God? Thank you for making me a prophet, but I'm done now. I'm all done. I've had as much as I can take. In fact, I'd like to just give up. Elijah falls asleep, and a little angel watches over him, maybe a big angel. That angel taps Elijah on the shoulder and says, you need to get up and eat. Prophets need their nourishment. As Amy and some of her colleagues have commented on this text, every once in a while what we need is just a break, a nap, and a good snack to get back up on our feet again. But sometimes we also need 40 days, 40 days to sort it out. I'm aware that the wilderness that a lot of us experience is the wilderness that exists in our head, the wilderness of competing thoughts, of struggles to keep up, of doing what we think we should do, of trying to measure up to other people's expectations or perhaps our own expectations, which we've internalized from other people. 
I'm aware that there are lots of creepy crawlies in our wildernesses, jackals and scorpions and snakes. St. Teresa of Avila wrote this when she wrote about the interior castles of our mind, that when you come in the first doorways, there are all these creepy crawlies trying to keep you from coming inside. And it takes a while to get into a space where we can really hear God. Elijah was trying to find it in the earthquake, or in the mighty wind that split rocks, or in the fire. But he was surprised because God was not there. God was in the sheer silence. Utter quiet. I don't know what kind of wilderness goes on in your head. I'm pretty well acquainted with the one in mine. But it probably has three things in common. One, you did not choose that wilderness. It is no place you would have ever gone on your own. Two, you feel like you're not in control in that wilderness. You can't even control the pounding in your head that you hear when you turn off all the noise. And whether that wilderness in your head is noisy or quiet, there is probably one sound that is missing, which is the sound of the voice of God. God whispering in your ear, God being really, really quiet so that you can calm down enough, so that we can all calm down enough to hear that voice. If you listen for that voice of God, it usually says something like this. Everything is going to be all right. You are not alone. There's a reason for all this, and there are lessons for you to learn. So calm down. Have a nap and a snack, take some rest, and then get up again and I will help you. It's hard to hear that voice in the wilderness, and we have trouble hearing that voice because we live in such a noisy world. I don't know about you, but I'm aware of how much the culture of busyness around us becomes a virtue. We think by being busy and showing our busyness that we are productive, that our lives have value, that we are getting things done, and it's all about the busyness. I get seduced into this all the time. But I believe that God actually wants us to calm down, to listen for something that is often so quiet we can barely hear it. Just take a minute of silence right now and see how it feels in this room when we take it. We did one earlier, but let's just do another one and notice how it feels.
it is sometimes hard to take that much silence. I'm curious what you notice in that moment. The sounds inside the room and outside the room, the sounds of our own bodies. The world doesn't give us much space for that, at least the world that most of us live in, and it's important that we take it. So for these next 36 days, I invite us all to join together in a Lenten journey. I want you to pull out of your order of worship. There is a lavender piece of paper and a white piece of paper. These are all opportunities that we are providing for you here in the United Parish so that together we might join hands in this wilderness and listen together. On the lavender piece of paper, lavender is the color of Lent, you will see that directly after worship today, we have a study in discernment. Our discernment and engagement team and our adult deepening education team have thought it would be a good practice for us in Lent to seek to find some clarity in the chaos of our lives and to figure out what it means to discern together, to listen for God helping us with our decision-making and our direction in life. The second sheet on white paper are some of the take-home questions that you can take today to think about. We're going to be looking at them in our session today. There's a lunch provided in the parlor. And then we're going to have small groups throughout Lent you can meet with. We are bringing back our Thursday Lenten dinner church on Thursday evenings in our parlor where we celebrate worship around a table. And we hear personal confessions from a member of our community as they lead us all in our collective confession and assurance. We will have these Sunday worship services, but one thing I really want to encourage you about, and I'll be sending out an all-parish email this week, I would love it if every person in this room would find a prayer partner this Lent, a spiritual buddy you can team up with. We did this two years ago. Holly Vanderwall and I were prayer partners. It was great. We'd have a weekly check-in just to see how we're doing. We are great as a community at socializing together and enjoying one another's company in social and convivial settings, which is beautiful. But I wonder how much stronger we would be spiritually if we all bound together as prayer partners. So there is a way for you to sign up for that, both in the pews and also online. Or you can talk to Amy or me or members of our deepening and discernment team. Discernment team and deepening folks, would you raise your hands just where you are? Any of these folks will help you find a prayer partner this Lent. On the white sheet on the back of it, you will just see some other ways that you can engage. We have this all on our website, some things we're going to talk about today in the session. I would encourage you just to check them out, to see what might work with you, how you might listen more closely for God's role in your life, and the paths that God is taking you forward. But here's the story. God doesn't want to leave you alone, which is why God gave you this community. This community of seekers and followers and pilgrims, all of us together, holding our hands spiritually and even physically to find our way in the wilderness. It's an exciting adventure, and we are all invited to join it. Thanks be to God. Amen.